Hello, America. This is President Francis Underwood, and a vote for me is a vote for American technological progress. Hear me discuss my vision for America on this technology edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, Motley Fool listeners. This is President Frank Underwood in studio at Motley Fool headquarters just 10 miles south of the White House in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Friday, March the 3rd, 2016, and joining me to talk about my technology-focused initiatives is my chief technology advisor, Mr. Dylan Lewis. Dylan, thank you for joining me in giving America a push in the right direction. It is an honor to be in the studio with probably my favorite fictional president. I try. Yeah, that was, <laughs> Sean, that was phenomenal. I, yeah. <laughs> I was cracking up on the side. I was trying to stay away from the microphone so that it wouldn't mess up the recording. Um, so, listeners, if you haven't figured it out, Dylan and I are both huge House of Cards fans, yep. and it dropped season four last night, 3 a.m. Yeah. So, they did that for Pacific Time. I think they did it with. so that it was on the same day across the country. Right. Okay. Um, which was inconvenient much for me because I yeah. probably would have watched it. Last night, if it didn't drop at three in the morning, um, and uh, yeah, Netflix, of course, is a big foolish pick. We've gosh, how long is Tom David Gardner like that stock? Like long, five, long ten time. years or something. Um, absolute brilliant move in picking up Kevin Spacey to do this very original thing. It was like because it was originally a, a show from the seventies or the eighties on the BBC mm-hmm. in England, and uh, was it just cost five million an episode, and they're People signed up for it. Netflix I mean, just to watch it. Original like, content makes platforms sticky, you know. And yeah, so anyway, uh, so we do apologize for any plagiarizing I did there. <laughs> I all that was original words of my own, but uh, anyway. Um, and uh, Kevin Spacey, if you're listening, we love you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fantastic so uh, I'm sorry to say we do not have the president in studio. No. Um, although what we are going to be talking about is the South by Southwest conference, mm-hmm. and the real president. <laughs> might be there. Yes. Do you think you're going to run into him? Uh, I don't maybe? know. We might bump shoulders. We'll see what happens. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. So uh, I'm going to South by Southwest next week. Next right? week. Yeah. Um, and we'll I'm going to be you. joined by, I think maybe six or seven other fools. Uh, a couple folks from our premium team. A couple folks from our marketing team. Uh, I think Chris Hill will be doing some market foolery shows there with Simon Erickson, Matt Argusinger. I think for our listeners that don't know, like thirty seconds, what is South by Southwest? Where is it? South by Southwest is a tech and uh, just like general digital media publishing uh, conference in Austin, Texas, and so basically it breaks out into three different. I think it's been going on for like 20-something years, 30 years, something like that. Uh, But the conference itself breaks out into three different categories. There is interactive, which I will be going to with all these other fools. Then there are maybe the perhaps better known uh, film and uh, music shows. So you also will see a lot. Do like that? Are you going to try to go to that stuff? It's the the film. I think the film is concurrent, but the music is after. I'm going to be there. I was like, I can't really swing being away from the office for 12 days. We need you for industry focus. We need you need me for industry focus. Um, so, what are the three events that you're looking to the most, looking forward to the most? Yeah, so it is ridiculous looking at the South by Southwest because it's know, all over the city, right? Like yeah, hotels and everything. It yeah. is. It is not like like CES is very centralized, from what I understand. I have not been there, but um, South by Southwest is totally decentralized. You're in like all these different rooms all over Austin. Um, so, looking at the event list and the keynote speakers and the folks that are going to be there, as you mentioned, Barack Obama. 
going to be there. Both he and Michelle are going to talk or something. Yeah, right? he's giving one of the keynotes on like, Friday is he, morning. Is he going to talk about technology or what? Like, I think it's uh, civic engagement okay. with technology. I think that's the the premise for his I'll keynote. Buy that. Uh, so it is a daunting schedule to look at, to say the least. There's so much going on. Um, Red Bull, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, Red Bull. Just gonna be <laughs> hopped up on caffeine the entire time I'm there. But I thought it'd be fun to preview South by Southwest by looking at three events that I'm particularly interested in and how they relate to investors and some things going on in the marketplace right now. Cool. So first one. Google's self-driving car project, and so the director, uh, Chris Ermson, is going to be there, and he's going to be talking a little bit about what the path to a driverless car future looks like, and um, you know just what the timeline might be, and some things like that. Obviously, something that is kind of on the tech and industrial side, um, the tech informing what will be happening within the, mm-hmm. within the car itself. So, uh, a very interesting uh, kind of thing to be checking in on. And just kind of as an update to what has been going on with Google's self-driving car so far, uh, they have logged over one, I believe it's like 1.3 million miles on roads in Mountain View, California, Austin, Texas, and Kirkland, Washington thus far. Uh, Their current fleet is a mix of modified Lexus SUVs and then the um, kind of bespoke driverless cars that they've created. Yeah, I don't even know (laughs) how to describe them to somebody. They're like the monorail cars. From yeah, forty years ago at Disney World. <laughs> yeah, there, there's something like kind of European looking right. about them. You know, um, they're cute, I guess. But uh, that is like their their flagship prototype, and so uh, they've been out on the roads as well. And just the track record of safety so far, the cars have had. Uh, their vehicles have been in some minor accidents in the past, and up until mid February, I think it was somewhere in the teens, like mm-hmm. somewhere in like fifteen or so accidents. Um, the car and the tech on Google side was not at fault for any of these. So it was drivers doing something right. stupid, or you know, people stopping short, or what have you. Um, up until mid-February is the operative thing to hone Vince, in on there. Vince and I did our tech CG crossover show, and of course, we talked about driverless cars. And a week later, a week later, the Google uh, the, the the little I think it was one of the little pod things. I don't know which type of car it was. It was uh, it, it was it was a Lexus RX. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, it gets into an accident with a stinking bus. Yeah. A week later, <laughs> after 1.3 million miles, then I do a show about it. Hits a bus. Yeah. Um, Just don't talk about any airlines anytime soon. Right. <laughs> um, the thing that I took away from it though is. Um, Partially at fault, Google says we're probably partially responsible, mm-hmm. but uh, everybody walked away. So, yeah. yeah. And, and to, to give you an idea of, of what happened, basically, uh, Google's car was in the right lane of the city street and it was going to make a right turn. And I think that there were some sandbags right. in the, uh, Which of the, course the drain with, pipe. Mess with the sensors and they do that to keep leaves and stuff yeah. out of the drain pipe. And so, so I think the car. Slam up Baird left a little bit so that it right. could go around it and make the right. And there was a bus coming up on its left. Bus was coming at like 15 miles an hour, and the Google car was moving at about two miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of those situations where uh, the Google car thought the bus was going to yield. The yield, bus did not expect right. the Google car to make the cut. And so, in their statement, Google said, uh, this type of misunderstanding happens between human drivers on the road every day. This is a classic example of the negotiation that's a normal part of driving. We're all trying to predict each other's movements. Well, and not only that, but um, 
and this lends itself to the previous accidents where it's just uh, a computer interacting with a human and it's just unpredictable. Um, but I just 10, 20 years from now, when if and when all this stuff happens, um, the bus would have been communicating with the car. Mm-hmm. So yeah, probably would have been yeah. avoided. Like, and, and that is I, um, this does not concern me in the least. That is something uh, that people cite all the time. It's like the biggest problem with these very uh, sophisticated smart devices is when you add the human element to them. Right. And so, I mean, if they're all communicating on the same plane, they're speaking the same language, they know what each other are going right. to do. Right. Well, then all of a sudden, it's like a roller coaster ride or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a bad example, but all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like a monorail ride, like with the Google car. Yes. Because um, it's safe and everybody knows what everybody's going on and all that stuff. Anyway, so, sorry. So, I'm sure within uh, the conference, he's going to have to spend some time talking about this. Uh, people the ask him time. about it. you know. <laughs> but I, I think really... Uh, this is a minor hiccup, you know, for them. It's not a huge deal. This is not going to be something that right. causes people to no. There's no way we don't want you know <laughs> driverless cars. There's not going to be some gross overreaction there. Um, but really, my interest in him and the driverless car market in general is just kind of get a, a sense of the big picture and what the timeline might look like for adoption. Um, really, yeah, so what are you hoping to hear from them? Is the bottom line. I, I think one of the biggest things is the regulatory hurdles that are currently facing driverless cars. And how they're going to overcome that, and just kind of sweeten up a little bit to the legislative environment. So, um, you know, I, I think one of the really prime examples of this is I, there are maybe like a handful of states that have uh, autonomous vehicle laws on the books right now. Um, California being one of them, and so they seem to have laws that were very uh, conducive to innovation and driverless cars, that kind of thing. And then recently, uh, California proposed their DMV proposed a draft rule that would require less, require driverless cars to have a licensed driver uh, in them at all times. And this hmm. was something that happened, I think, in late 2015. And so, in a Medium post, uh, Ernst said, "Instead of putting a ceiling on the potential of self-driving cars, let's have the courage to imagine what California would be like if we could live without the shackles of stressful commutes, wasted hours, and restricted mobility for those who want independence that the automobile has always represented." And so. On one hand, the needing a licensed driver makes sense if the car needs that, or if there's an override that would allow someone right. to operate the car. But I think one of the really important things that driverless cars enable are people that are either too old or physically cannot drive right. um, to get around and be independent. And so, uh, this type of rule, this type of legislation, is a barrier in them I think reaching people that would be most benefited by driverless cars, and so um, some of it is just kind of these very small case examples. But more broadly, you know, what is the company doing, and what are some of the major hurdles that they're going to have to overcome, um, more on the legal side, the regulatory side, to get you know and reach some of these estimates that we've seen. I remember seeing that IHS Institute of Highway Safety. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what yeah. that acronym stands for. Uh, estimated that by 2035, 10% of light vehicles will be sold. Uh, 10% of the light vehicles sold will be driverless. And so I'm down. That's yeah. that's awesome. That's pretty soon, actually. Right? right? Yeah. You know, that's not too far off. 20 years, I'll be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to have that kind of market share. But obviously, for that to happen, there are a lot of issues that they're going to have to get through. And so just getting uh, a little bit more clarity on. What the biggest roadblocks are and how they're planning to address them. Cool. Um, so, on to another fool favorite Under Armour. What are they going to be doing at South by Southwest? Because I thought they just sold t shirts. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we are rehashing our conversation on CES right. a little bit, the and Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But uh, if you'll remember, Under Armour unveiled uh, their UA Health Box at CES, and Kevin Plank, CEO of Under Armour, will be speaking at South by Southwest again. And so, uh, just as a refresher for what the Health Box is, what goes into it, um, basically, it's this world—the world's first connected fitness system. That's what they're billing it as. Um, and the components for it are the UA Band, which is uh, automatically tracks steps, distance, resting heart rate, sleep, all that stuff. Everything that you're used to with a Fitbit, Garmin, health tracker, that kind of thing. The UA Scale, which is a Bluetooth and Wi-Fi enabled scale that measures weight and body fat percentage. And then the UA Heart Rate, which is a compact heart rate monitor that features innovative micro snap technology designed to provide comfort during workouts. Oh boy! Yeah, all and, for the, all yours for the <laughs> low, low price of four hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, the the whole package sells for four hundred bucks. The individual components uh, sell for one hundred eighty, one hundred eighty, and eighty respectively. Um, so we got some insight into you know we had the launch itself and some insight into what their broader plan is. Um, at CES, he talked with uh, a CEO of IBM, uh, Ginny Rometty. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, about uh, the UA record, which is like their kind of hub for health. It's a health hub. And the way he described it during their conference was um, just basically a, daily, basically like a daily health dash. And uh, you know, he said that wearables, in this conference call, he said, uh, wearables have been very effective in telling you how many steps you took or how many hours you slept. They haven't been effective in giving you a proactive information on how to utilize that data to make your life better. Put simply, there's no call to action until now. IBM's Watson, a platform that executes cognitive thinking, will provide personalized insights in real time to the user based on the information we collect for UA Record and will take the experience and service to a whole new level. How does a computer that plays Jeopardy help you become healthier? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I think when you hear IBM Watson, you have that like, whoa, this is this is some serious data analytics and serious uh, AI type work that they're right. going to be doing. And so, uh, the idea here is to be able to mine and find patterns in people's health habits and also provide more insight into their health habits. You know, I mean, it was something as simple as in the CES demo, he did something where uh, within an app there's like a 1 to 10 scale of how are you feeling today. And it's telling me how I no, feel. No, 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 it's like oh, okay. it's it's, it's <laughs> listening like, you know, how are you feeling? I'll scale 1 to 10. Yeah. And then it wants to sync up your behavior, the things you've done, the things you've eaten with that feeling. Ooh. And yeah. so that you have a better sense of, you know, and he pointed to he said um you know, if I were to ask you how many days have you felt like you were sick uh, in the past year, you have no clue, right? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, and that seems like something that you should know, right? But it's that would be really useful, right? I'd, I'd like to, yeah. And okay. so uh, spotting patterns, and you know, I mean, if it's something where like if I have lunch before I work out, I don't feel as good, you know, right. or whatever. If I eat dairy, I, I realize yeah. that my stomach doesn't feel awesome. Um, things like that, uh, just providing more insights into that, and so. Uh, the recent conference call that Under Armour had uh, was shortly after uh, Healthbox launched, and so obviously no product insight there. I doubt that we're going to get anything in terms of sales, anything like that. Um, but I'm really just looking more to see uh, if they have any updates on that product launch, um, anything favorable they can tell us in terms of units, anything like that. And uh, 
just kind of what else they're planning to do in the wearable fitness space. Cool. All right. Well, before we move on, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned focus.fool.com. There you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fool Stock Advisor newsletter to start your year off foolishly. All Loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to $129 for a full two year subscription. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. All right, so Dylan, I've got to tell you, I was a little surprised at this last choice of yours for yeah. South by Southwest. Um, are you a foodie? Like, what, what's the deal here? <laughs> yeah, so this last one, uh, Meet Nom, this is the name of the. Like, nom, 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 nom. Like, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, this is the name of the, uh, the speaker and uh, the event. Meet His nom. name isn't Nom. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Food and the future of live video. And the person speaking at this event is Steve Chen, founder of Nam and co-founder of YouTube. Okay. So that is that's uh, part of the reason that I really honed in on this one. Uh, I realized that you know when you have uh, Kevin Plank, CEO of a highly successful company, um, and you have the director of Google's self-driving car project, the guy running a live food-based food platform thing? might be kind of a head scratcher. Um, first off, yeah, guy that co-founded YouTube. So. Mm-hmm. Ton of insight into the world of video online and what works, what doesn't work. So that's one of the reasons I'm interested in attending this. And uh, I think really in their tag here and what they're kind of trying to do is share your love of food live. That that is that is Nam's mission, I guess. At this point, their their details are kind of scarce, and so it might seem odd that I'm interested in this live food blogging type thing, but. Um, I'm less interested in this for the specific platform and more curious about what it means for digital media and live content specifically. And so, if you remember correctly, and this, I think this might have been the first show we did together. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, we were doing a recap of, I think, private companies and uh, the tech bubble. Oh, and the unicorns and all yes. that. Okay. And yeah. so, um, at last year's South by Southwest, Meerkat. Kind of was like the bell of the ball, right. which is a live broadcasting rap. And then Twitter bought Periscope and just rained on their parade, uh. basically. And um, so that acquisition, a lot of people thought, oh, this is going to be huge for Twitter. Um, you know, the the live broadcasting plays in so well to the news news update kind of immediacy that you expect with that platform. Uh, obviously, it hasn't quite been the catalyst that people have expected yet. But I think Twitter is getting way better at integrating it into their mm-hmm. product. Uh, I think a recent update brought Periscope broadcasts into Twitter seamlessly. So you don't need Periscope's app. You can just be scrolling through your feed, see someone that is live recording something, click into it, and you're watching it as Boom. a broadcast. Yeah. So um, other public companies are making use of live content so far. And I'm curious to see what someone that is clearly an innovator in the video space is going to be doing. And also, I think. When you look at some of the product changes that Facebook has undergone, they are pushing, pushing, pushing video content. And the reason they're doing that is because people respond to it. The engagement rate is incredible on video content. And so, live content is a really cheap and easy way to feed that hunger, right? I mean, we can sit here in the studio and put together well produced shows with Austin behind the glass and, you know, have it be well recorded and well lit and have this nice backdrop and everything. But, um, you know, people are also going to still click on live videos of maybe people like I mean, Jason Moser does right. the periscopes. You know, every I was now about and to then. say we should do periscope here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. And, <laughs> and so uh, I just think from a digital media standpoint, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with live video in the next couple of years. And um, Nam itself 
not the platform to be watching for investors, right? I mean, they're going to be they're private, they're small, whatever. But um, you are going to see live video on all of these huge platforms like Facebook, like Google, like Twitter, probably LinkedIn as well. And so, feeding that uh, appetite for you know video content and how they're going to be do it, I think is very interesting. And so that's kind of why I honed in on this one. Cool. Well, we cannot wait to hear. All of your coverage from South by Southwest. Yes, I, I will expect you to periscope when you're walking down the streets. I will. And everything. <laughs> it's gonna my battery. I think I need to get a backup phone battery. Yeah, just to make yeah. sure that you get I won't that be running out. Case with the thing that pops out with the backup battery. <laughs> yeah, that is the worst. I will uh, plug. I think Market Foolery will be doing a couple shows live from Austin, and okay. so they they have a uh, podcast booth kind of reserved for an hour a day, and Sweet. so they will be doing shows there. So be sure to follow. Be sure to follow what Chris Hill is doing on Market Foolery, and I think the Twitter account is at Market Foolery. Um, I will be trying to live tweet some stuff uh, at Wiley Lewis, and of course uh, we will update you on Fool.com with all the stuff that we're putting out. Perfect. Um, well, thank you for your thoughts, Dylan. As always, always a pleasure. Do you think I should do the disclosure as Frank? I would love that. Okay. If you are a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people in this program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Dylan Lewis, I am Frank Underwood. Fool on.